the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black, and your money. Happy end of the year to you, December 29th. I'm here today and tomorrow, and it's your show. This is one of those weak time of the years as far as uh, traffic goes. So get in on the phone. Don't be shy, 800-516-1220, even if it's to say to something nice or not, something mean about me. What are your goals for 2015? And what do you want me to talk about? There's so much to talk about today. Really, there is. The market hasn't had four down days in a row this year on the S&P 500. And because there's no time left in the market, there's only three trading days left. It's going to go the whole year without a four days of a correction. Four days in a row. Four days in a row. Holy mackerel. And let's just say we want an update today. We're getting a little bit of that Santa Claus rally. Last Friday, the day after Christmas. Thank you. Last Friday, the day after Christmas, uh, it produced another record high close, the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500. Another little gift that keeps giving is just a bullish stock market. Uh, your 401k should be at or near all-time highs, unless you've done something stupid like take out a loan against it, or unless you've done something stupid like you know try to time it. Uh, it was also the lowest volume day of the year, and some there weren't any big surprises on Friday. Now, what's interesting to note is last year or this year, middle of January, we started getting kind of a nasty little correction, um, and they say as January goes, so goes the year. So. Watch out the middle of January this 2015, is the thought. International affairs are drawing some blame for the kind of a, kind of a negative disposition out there. Um, some noteworthy items. Carl Icahn plans to push Manitowoc to separate its crane and food service segments into two separate companies. UPS has announced an average net 4.9% rate increase for 2015 for its UPS ground, air, and international businesses. Ultimately, a good thing for the stock. You don't have a lot of options. 
the failed, and they are going to benefit from lower energy costs. So I like that stock long term. Very few companies can do what they do. Greece is back in the spotlight after its parliament failed for the third time to elect the prime minister's preferred presidential candidate. That third strike led to a year-out call from Prime Minister Samaras, who plans to ask for the dissolution of parliament and a snap election to be held on January 25th. That failed vote precipitated a very large uh, drop on the stock market in Greece, 10%. I think it was a little bit more at one point, uh, ultimately down about 4.5-5% based on the idea that there's going to be an anti-austerity Syriza party that may win the January election and preempt the receipt of more financial aid. Greece's problems aside, the fallout factor hasn't been as extensive as I've seen in years past. In stock markets like Spain, Italy, and Portugal, they're down one and a half, two percent. Nothing crazy. Asian markets, uh, mostly higher though. There was a possible Ebola case in Japan. Japan's government announced $29 billion in fiscal stimulus package with designs on bolstering private consumption and small businesses. Uh, oil is holding a little bit stable. This is very interesting because Libya's got some political unrest and they've got some civil unrest. And what's going to happen there is Libya's a big producer of oil. And we're thinking that we may not get any oil out of Libya in 2015. That's the first good thing that's happened to oil in quite a while. Ten-year treasury, 2.22%. There's some safe haven buying and positioning. A lot of the stocks that have done well this year are continuing to do well. Um, a lot of portfolio managers want to say, hey, look, I was in a stock that was a winner. This is a weird time of the year to be an investor. Um, there's some head fakes that could ultimately go on. So as you're pretty, so be wise. Be a little cautious right now. Um, if you feel like you're getting in over your head or something along those lines. Uh, let's take a quick look at the market numbers and see how we're doing. Uh, 800-516-1220. And you could always drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. That's rob at robblackshow.com or rob at robblack.com. Um, taking a look at the numbers. S&P 500's up fractions, up three. The Dow's up one. The Nasdaq's down fractions. Analysts are inventing new data points now tied towards Apple. Now, I own shares of Apple. I'm not pushing my own stock. I ultimately have made a, a ton of money in it. I feel pretty good. I, I don't think it's for everyone. But Apple could be selling a mind-blowing number of iPhones this quarter, according to a bunch of Chinese export and import data gathered by Aaron Rakers, who's an analyst at Stiefel. <clears throat> he says his data pegs iPhone sales at between 65 and 75 million. If Apple were to hit the high end of that range at 75 million units, it would be a 47% year-over-year leap in unit sales. The low end would still be a 27% increase. Now, we have no idea if his data points are valid. Um, I'm bringing this up because it illustrates how hot analysts are for Apple right now, which is typically a bad thing. When you're lusted after on Wall Street, you've already done something great. This time of the year, the story around Apple, typically neutral. Last year at this time, pretty neutral. Now that the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus are on the market, analysts are running wild with projections. So here's a look at some of his data. He says China exports of handheld wireless telephones are, parts are up 20% from September to November. In September and October, exports are up 52% versus July. This is indicative that Apple's manufacturing velocities really picked up. Exports from Jingzhou 
were up 33% year over year for the September-November timeframe. Foxconn, they had a 19% increase in sales from September to October. Um, the value of U.S. imports of mobile telephones from China increased 26% year over year for September and October. You know, these are some pretty dense data points. Units have increased 17% year over year. November data to be released in early January could be an interesting additional iPhone-related data point. The data is interesting in that it shows analysts are looking for any reason to justify insanely bullish forecast on the quarter. Now, again, I own shares. I don't get excited. Um, I'm horrible in relationships with women because I don't get excited. People want me to, like, jump up and down like, look, you got me a hat for Christmas. Yay. So Apple shares are barely up today. Um, so some of that data is out there. They were brought up a couple times over the weekend. The interview made some pretty good money off streaming uh, rentals as well as buying. Uh, Google was the first major media tech company to come out and say, we'll put this stupid little comedy on our, our services. Uh, quickly followed by Microsoft, they said, we'll put the comedy on our services. And then finally Apple over the middle part of the weekend said, you know, we'll do it as well. They're a little bit late, but a little disappointing. Um, I'm happy that the movie's out there. I'm a big believer in free speech. With that out there, uh, that's just my opinion. So some things that we could talk about. We could talk about Greece. We could talk about stocks that you should look at. We could talk about Barron's and some of the stock picks that they put together for 2015. Um, we could take a look at some of the economic data points to look for in 2015. The rule of 72, it's such a great math hack. Uh, math tricks, amongst them, you know, trying to figure out your rate of return on Wall Street. The rule of 72 is a great one. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm here. You can call the show 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, a couple things. Bloomberg named Bitcoin the worst currency of the year, calling it a catastrophic 2014 for the virtual currency. The value plunged 56% in 12 months. Very, very bad year for the Russian ruble and terrible 12 months for the Ukrainian Hryvnia. Um, but it's been catastrophic for Bitcoin. Bitcoin is second only to gold on the list of topics guaranteed to get people, you know, frothing at the mouths. Relentless promotion can't hide the fact that digital currency peaked at about 
$30 just over a year ago. It's plunged 56% in 2014. That's pretty awful. Um, its current value is about 326, far from dead. It may be mortally wounded. Um, on December 20th, there was a Charlie Shrem. He's one of the digital currency's most vocal cheerleaders. Um, he was sentenced. He uh, was vice chairman of a Bitcoin foundation and chief executive of an exchange called BitInstant. He was sentenced to two years in prison for legal money transfers. And that doesn't help. Um, just throwing it out there that, you know, a year ago, two years ago, you know, in that 12 to 24 month time frame, if we can go back in time and, and look at things, people were pretty excited about it. And now people really aren't. In one of the exact obvious stories of the year, um, Facebook is apologizing for an oversight. And this is one where I don't really feel that bad for Facebook. I think they did the right thing. They developed an app called Year in Review. It led people to revisit tragic events. And I don't say that you're crying like a baby, but you posted pictures of your dead relatives, and guess what? The pictures came back to be seen again by you. And yes, I know that hurts, and yes, I know that is an issue, but come on. Like, don't post things you don't want to have revisited, which is, again, it comes back to the obvious story of, you know, 2014, 2015. The Internet is a big file machine of, of things that don't write dirty emails that you don't want your boss to see, unless, of course, you're an idiot. So, um, so and I, I find Facebook annoying. But I, I find people that post things as serious as like, hey, I battled cancer. Guess what? That text is coming back to haunt you. And at some point in time, you know, a health insurance company is going to see it, and they're going to mark you as someone who is tougher to give insurance to. Like, those kind of things happen. So it was... Facebook wanted it to celebrate life's most recent best bits, and they kind of used this, this algorithm based on how many people liked or how many people saw your uh, post. And, uh, you know, the tagline is, it's been a great year. Thanks for being a part of it. But, you know, I, I find, again, that people are crying about it. Like, you posted this horrible stuff, like, Death is horrible. You can't cry about it. You know, yes, on Christmas Eve, you turn on the Facebook and you see a picture of your dead son, your dead spouse, your dead father. But that's the problem with the Internet. And we all need to take notice of that pretty loud and clearly. Apple in the news today. Second Apple story. Um, they're using the, the one of the founders of Beats, a guy named Jimmy Levine. Uh, his music connections try to secure some exclusive albums for iTunes. So Beyonce's fifth studio album landed and launched exclusively on iTunes last summer. No one was expecting it. album was a total surprise. No pre-album hype or promotion. The album dominated the charts, selling more than 800,000 copies in the first three days. It was a big success story for iTunes. Apple wants to create recreate some of that by using Beat CEO Jimmy Alvin's connections with musicians to strike more deals. He's friends with Pharrell, Nicki Minaj, Gwen Stefani. So he's in fresh talks with artists about doing exclusives. So Apple acquired Beats for $3 million. A lot of people go, why? They're just a headphones company. 
Apple CEO Tim Cook called Iving a creative genius who has a deep knowledge of the musical industry. Um, so exclusive deals. We'll see about that. They had some AT&T sponsored Super Bowl TV spot starring Ellen DeGeneres last year as well. Uh, speaking of Super Bowl, that's right around the corner. Um, other stories of note today. I think Greece, I've probably hit that pretty good. They have a problem. Um, to say the, the very, very least. And I don't think that problem's going to go away anytime soon. Um, oil has a problem. I think that problem goes away sooner than Greece's problem. So would I invest in oil? I'm starting to, you know, this could be a good area of stabilization. This should do it if Libya goes offline. Uh, but again, you need a little bit more data. You need the executives to start under-promising and over-delivering, um, in my opinion. Crude oil sitting at $55 barrel. Gold sits at 11.86, which I think stands for a lot of risk in 2015, um, in large part tied towards uh, a stronger dollar is the expectation. Chinese access to Gmail was blocked. Chinese access to Google's email service has been blocked amid government efforts to limit or possibly ban access to U.S. company services, which are popular among Chinese who seek government from monitoring them. So data from Google's transparency report shows online traffic from China to Gmail fell precipitously on Friday and dropped to nearly zero on Saturday. A little pickup on Monday. But again, uh, if you think China is an honest nation, they're not. Um, and I'll even go a little bit further with this and say that they came up with some economic data on Friday that ultimately was put on one of their websites that showed a lot weaker growth than the 7% that they're promising GDP and that they're telling us. Um, so why is this important? Um, I think what you're going to quickly find is that like through the years, um, the numbers are going to, you know, there comes a point where you're lying and moving stuff off your balance sheet doesn't work. So we'll see. Um, I'm okay with China's overall growth for the world, but I'm not a big, you know, put, put all in. So that's just not who I am. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Rob at robblackshow.com. Phone the call show, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. You got the luck of a Kennedy. Grab the wheel.
something you should be aware of is the end of the year buying a car hype. It's year in clearance time. Dealers across the country. They're trying to dump those <clears throat> luxury cars before they lose some value as far as model year goes. Which again, we are a very, very silly society uh, as far as coveting our vehicles. Uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's is expected to be the busiest of the year. A lot of analysts are predicting that new car sales during those six days is going to be 78% higher than the average week in December. And leasing is expected to hit an all-time high, in large part because of affordability reasons and not because of people like loving leases. If you can get a 2014 model, you save about 10% off MSRP as compared to 6% off MSRP for 2015. Not bad. Uh, there's no best time of year to buy a car. The whole idea that they're great end-of-the-year sales because dealers are motivated to make up sales quotas is just a myth. That's the issue. So... Um, if you read the fine print, you'll ultimately see that. If you, What you want is comparison shopping, and you want competitive bids, in my opinion. Anyhow, and anyway, let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Let's welcome in certified financial planner, Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And he is a certified financial planner, which is different than a stockbroker, which is different than um, you know an investment advisor. It's different than... A certified retirement specialist, which is a made-up title. The only title I care about is a CFP. Let's talk withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Let's talk pulling money out, withdrawal methods. Um, if you don't want to make a baby, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about pulling money out of <laughs> retirement. Um, you're, you've got this nest egg. What's the concept that we need to know on how to pull money out so that the rate, we don't burn too much too fast? Well, the first idea is getting an, knowing whether or not you're you're withdrawing too much. Right. If you're 50 years old and you're having to draw 4% of your portfolio to live and you think you can stay retired, you can't. You have potentially 50 years worth of inflation. So if you're drawing $50,000 a year now, in 18 to 20 years, you're going to have to live, draw $100,000 a year to live. And with muted returns in the, in the bond side, very low income on bonds, you're going to run into problems. So, you know, 65, if you can draw 4% of your portfolio to live, you're going to be okay. More than that, you're going to run into some problems, which means that means that you're not going to be able to keep up with inflation. How realistic is it that I never touch my principal and I just live off my dividends? If you can retire at 65 and, and comfortably have, you know, 2% of your portfolio to live, and then that starts the draw rate, so eventually you're going to have, you know, be pulling you know, all of your income. Yeah. So if you're only pulling two or 3%, that means the majority of your returns can be reinvested for future inflation. Um, and in the past, you could just, if you were that type of a wealthy person, you could just turn around and put all your money in treasuries. Now that's not the case. Treasuries are at a, a historical low in terms of yield. And how, so there's almost more risk there than having a mix of stocks and bonds. How often do you recommend people search for higher yield, knowing that they're going to compromise on credit quality and or compromise on uh, equity smoothness or, uh, what am I trying to say, principal uh, risk? Well, what you look at is credit spreads. Okay. So the times where you're going to look at compromising or taking a little bit more risk and going for that higher yield. And an example of this is you look in March of 2009 where all bonds were thrown out with the stock market. I mean, the bond market got crushed for a short period of time. And the spreads between AAA rated debt and government debt versus high yield debt was at an all-time high. 
And within a year or two, you had you know 15 to 30% rates of return on high-yield bond funds. Um, so when the credit spreads between high-quality bonds and high-yield bonds is at a historical high or higher than the 10-year average, that's when you move money into those categories. The problem is right now that I think a lot of people are moving into way too much into preferred stocks with financial companies. Um, they're moving into uh, high-dividend-paying stocks that are directly tied to interest rates. And they're searching for that yield to replace bonds and replacing it with very volatile assets. How about protection from inflation? You can truly never protect yourself from inflation, even with Treasury inflation protected securities, because different types of inflations occur. You know, tips only protect you against consumer inflation, sort of. Yeah, it's kind of the CPIU. CPI. Yeah. Whereas senior citizens, their inflation is more tied towards healthcare costs, which is higher than the CPI, typically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 5 to 6%. So can you truly protect yourself against inflation with your principal, or is that just a fantasy? In theory, okay. you can. By um, In terms of if you look at an overall bond portfolio, you typically want some corporate bonds, a mix of you know high quality and a, a mix of a little bit of high yield in there when you're retired. On the government bond side, you want basic government bonds, and those come in the forms of treasuries or TIPS, Treasury Inflation Protected Bonds, where the face value of the bond gets adjusted upward if there is inflation. Um and uh, Ginny Mays, for example. But then of your bond portfolio, you want a good percentage of that, too, in foreign bonds. And this is something we talk about, because if you're earning interest rate, if you're earning interest in other currencies' bonds, or other countries' bonds, and their currency, and your dollar's falling, once you move that currency back into U.S. currency, you get that extra boost from the, the exchange rates. So by being with a good foreign bond manager, and they're focusing on countries that have an increasing currency versus the U.S. dollar, that's a, that's a hedge against inflation as well. And then investing also in things like you know energy stocks that pay a nice dividend. That's another way to do it. So in theory, you can. But we're, we're, we're coming into a time, Rob, where 10 years ago, nobody was investing in commodities. Right. And the correlation was almost negative to the stock market. So you know if stocks were down, typically commodities would be up, kind of like with bonds. Now everything – real estate used to be that way as well. Now both real estate and commodities have gone closer to a correlation with the stock market. So really to really hedge against the bad times, you still need that three years worth of expenses and cash in retirement. Any final thoughts on taking capital gains as an investment strategy as far mm-hmm. as pulling down your uh, principal? Yeah, because what you have to do when you, uh, you know, five years prior to retirement, you need to look forward and say, how much am I going to have to draw from my portfolio every year? So here's my expenses. Maybe it's 100000 a year and you're getting fifty from Social Security and your pensions. You're going to have to draw fifty from your portfolio. That means you're going to have 150000 in cash. And that's where you're going to spend your money from. You're going to send your dividends and interest from your, your portfolio to your checking account, and you're going to spend some of your cash. And every quarter, you look at your portfolio. If you have an up quarter, you peel off enough of those gains uh, to replenish the cash. Does that mean you pay taxes? Yes. But would you rather pay taxes on gains or watch your gains disappear? We're talking withdrawal from your lump sum, from your pension, from your retirement plan, from your nest egg. I'm speaking with certified financial planner Chad Burton for more information about how to draw down your account. Find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money invested in more. One area that I'm intrigued by is prenups. Uh, as a guy who got married and it lasted under a year, you know, I'm glad I went through the exercise of really financially vetting the situation. My then-wife uh, was a model, and... 
she was scantily clad in some pictures. And a lot of people from around the world made her offers, and she would get on email and respond to people. Uh, did she ever cross a physical line? No. Was she crossing an online li line? Yeah. So when it came to my attention that something was amiss, I was like, I'm out. If you're doing this in under a year, I'm out. It's just, you know, everything was still great. Everything was still great. The vacations, the sex, everything was still great. But there was something weird in her head that she felt she needed chaos. So I think prenups are very normal. I think they're very healthy, if for nothing else, just for learning to discuss money. Um, we commonly think of prenups as contracts for the soon-to-be-wed wealthy. You don't always enter a marriage with riches um, or guarantees that will last forever. But ultimately, you know, you may want to touch on things like spousal support alimony in a prenup, ownership of a business or a property, um, financial duties and responsibilities during the marriage. Um, you may want to find out if one person's a saver or one person's a spender. It doesn't have to be incredibly nasty, incredibly mean. Children, if you have children or you're going to have children, um, that could present a justification for a prenup. I believe in postnups. I believe in both spouses, you know, getting to know the financial picture. If one spouse enters the marriage with a child from a previous relationship, the prenup can stipulate financial responsibilities when it comes to cost of raising for an aging parent. Um, having a professional help you with a prenup, I think, is wise. Uh, not drinking and talking about money is wise. So uh, I think you want to have a clear head. Uh, there may be like an heirloom, you know, a rocking chair or a frying pan or grandma's diamond necklace that you may want to say, like, this is part of the prenup. And again, it doesn't mean anything super negative. And it's probably the biggest mistake I see young people make is that, you know, one person has no debt and the other has a lot of debt. And then they separate. And guess what? They've commingled their accounts and now they're both on for the debt. Be cautious. Um, I've seen people get married one has a lot of debt, and then he goes out, gets another card under your joint, runs up even more debt. Uh, there's a piper to pay, so to speak, in life and everything, dealing with money and love. Don't be foolish. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Thanks for listening to the show. Happy holidays. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. 
like I said, money investing and more. Um, taking a look at the you know the stories of Wall Street today. There's nothing that's really jumping out. Sony's The Interview racks up online views. Yay. The impact of Greece's failed presidential election on global markets. We could talk a little bit about that. Gmail blocked in China. Yeah, does that much of a surprise? Carl Icahn seeking a Manitowic breakup. Big crane company. Big company that does um, ice machines and things like that. That, you know, he was like, who makes industrial ice machines? Well, they do. Um, retailers are saving, you know, the discounts for bargain hunters. There's a growing gap in retailing between those who get discounts and those who don't. Um, I feel like if you're buying anything at full price these days, you're just not being cognizant of what's around the corner. So after years of sending out email blasts offering all shoppers steep discounts, retailers like Stage Stores which runs 880 department stores, including Beals and Goodies. They're starting to pair back the promotions by showing them only to customers who respond to price reductions. Um, so shopping habits change. It's important that you know, discounting is very uh, much so still there. Um, you know, the subject line on an email is going to make you more likely to open it and or not. Like if it's a specific item for sale, 28.7%. Percentage off the purchase, 25.4%. Um, and then, it, you know, buy one, get one free, eh, not so much. A fifth of all online shoppers are considered true discount junkies, people who make purchases only when plied with discounts. Um, I'm all about that. So I miss this time of year when it goes away. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So, you know, we got the S&P 500 up fractions today. Dow's up 11, the Nasdaq's up 1. 10-year treasury bond, 2.21%. We're ending the year, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to close out the last three days positive or not, but we'll have a double-digit year, third year in a row, if that's the case. And uh, that would be nice. So uh, hopefully your portfolio is close to, if not at all-time highs. Um, next hour, I'll talk a little bit about Barron's and some expectations of 2015. Uh, there's a lot of newsletters out there, and I'm not going to mention a specific one because the guy's a good guy, and he does a really nice job on you know, promoting dividend stocks. But he comes up with a list every year of stocks for the next year. And last year, the numbers were just miserable. And the market was up 10%. Uh, his performance wasn't. So picking individual stocks is difficult, even for people who've been doing it for 30 years, like he has. Um, and again, it goes to show you, like, shouldn't we all just make love, watch sports, eat, drink, and be merry, and not try to be stock pickers. Most of us should. Um, picking stocks is, is brutal, and I think it should be a cuteness at the start, i.e., once you have $100,000, if you want to spend $5,000 to buy one stock, do it for a year. See how you do. You know, Say to yourself, I'm going to try to beat the market this year with this one stock. Or if the market gets clobbered, I don't want to get clobbered. Have a goal. Write it down. See how you do. 
Um, overall, I think most people are expecting stocks to behave well next year. And that's where we get into a little bit of a why. Because there's some things going on. We know there's global economic growth slowing. We know there's problems in Europe. We know oil's telling us that there's a problem with demand worldwide. Gasoline prices and an improving job market should help the U.S. But money's in flowing into the U.S. at a great pace at this point in time. And that's typically a bad thing. Um, five years ago, the market had a lot of value. Now it's tough to find that value. Do I still like you know, some of the names like Google and Facebook and Apple? Sure. Um, I think Yahoo's a poor man's play on Alibaba. Um, but I don't really turn to groups like The Motley Fool or anyone else to give me an idea on what to invest. Um, because I don't know those people. And it, it's not so much that I don't know them, it's that they don't work for me. Who are you going to trust the most with your own money? Someone that works for you, with you? Or someone that you've never met and you can't even see? Kind of thing. I don't get it. I really don't get why people um, go that direction. I think if you're a longer-term investor, I think one of the trends should be oil stabilizing in 2015. We got one of the first reasons why we could say that. Well, two, the amount of shorts expecting oil to drop to $30 a barrel or less skyrocketed um, in the last two weeks. That's pretty big speculation. And when you speculate, you tend to make a mistake. As well as Libya is going to probably go offline for a large part of the year with producing oil. They just have problems on the ground. So that's another. It's not those aren't two end all be alls, but we're starting to make a case for if you can hold on to a stock or to a sector long enough, you'd be okay. Um, or if you could accumulate more if it does get weaker. But what you really need to see is one quarter of CEOs this quarter, when they report earnings, say, you know, we didn't see oil fall this much, and we're slashing everything by 50%. They need to under-promise so they can start over-delivering. Wall Street likes that over-delivering angle. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. 
Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black. Talking money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. A couple quick things. End of the year, live show. If you want to get in touch, rob at robblack.com. Rob at robblackshow.com. Or drop me an email, phone call. 800 516 That's 800-516-1220. A little lonely in here today. Uh, not a lot of people at work. For some reason, people think it's totally acceptable not to come in and work during the holiday season. Uh, but when the market's open, I come in. I'll be in this week, Monday and Tuesday. I am taking Wednesday off. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So the market's closing out the year with a quote-unquote Santa Claus rally. Thank you. And it's nice. It's a good move. It feels good. Woo-hoo. Uh, we're at record highs and or near record highs. We had record highs on Friday, a very low volume day, the day after Christmas. We're in very low volume time of the year at this point in time because Wall Streeters, they typically have jobs that support them taking off two weeks for Christmas, and they do. Um, they book their gains for the year, per se. Oil's going to be a big story in 2015, as is the strong dollar, Russia. Those are just some of them. How deep and how low... And how stimulative will Mario Draghi be to help the European Union with their problems? Asia's slowing down. China's, to me, you never really trust them. You know they're growing north of 4%, but you know they're not growing at the 7% they claim. Uh, worthy of note, gas prices are going down. Wow, the gas prices and the slightly improving job markets in the United States should be a pretty big story in 2015. Uh, now, again, when gas prices start moving up, it'll be a drag on the economy. When gas prices are moving down, it's a, a plus for the economy. Um, why are gas prices going down? That's a pretty good question. Recent swing upwards in oil prices in Libya, the price of crude has essentially been in free fall since June. It's about a 48% drop. little case of economics 101, supply and demand is the issue, really. The demand side, global economic activity is weak. We might be in the middle of a comeback here in the U.S., but Europe's back in a recession. In Greece, you know, they're just a mess. So some analysts predict oil prices probably hang out around $50 a barrel. That would translate into gas prices. Again, I did the math for me. In the last year, gas prices have easily dropped a buck. Now... If my cars get in 23, 24 miles a gallon, I've got a little bit of an older vehicle. Um, how much am I saving a week? Probably 20 bucks. Wow. So 20 times 480, 80 times 10 months of the year, that's 800. Throw in another 160, $960. That's a real savings. That's extra money in my, my, you know, I have an emergency budget, an emergency account. It's filled right now. It's doing well. It's, you know, the drought's not, it has been tapped. 
So, but what I do with an extra 800, what would the average American do? And the answer is spend it. Worthy of note, okay? I think uh, it's a big stimulus coming down the road for gasoline prices for the U.S. consumer. Um, some stories of note today. Greece crashes after crucial vote fails. The interview has become the biggest online movie ever released by Sony, pulling in more than 15 million from over 2 million downloads. Um, it's a disappointment, but it also got a whole month of publicity that you can't buy. Retailers are changing the way they're discounting. They're kind of targeting discounts now at this point in time to people who tend to take advantage of them. Apple, one analyst says that you know he's changing his data numbers for the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus to between 65 and 75 million units. And that would be somewhere between a 27% to 47% increase year over year in unit sales. And Apple did something very, very wise from an investor standpoint in that they made the 16 gig model the base model. And then their next model up is a 64 gig and a 128 gig. Now, why would you want 64 gig and 128? Because you're tired of your phone filling up from a movie, some photos, some photos you don't want to delete, some photos you don't back up. So getting a bigger phone is going to cost you some more money, bigger storage. That's where their average selling prices go higher. Um, so analysts are scrambling to up their numbers on Apple. It's going to be a, it's, that's going to be a fun quarter to report on. So Bloomberg has named Bitcoin the worst currency of the year, calling it a catastrophic 2014 for the virtual currency. Its value has plunged 56% in the last 12 months. Worse than the Russian ruble? Yes. Yes. Google's Gmail is blocked in China. Again, does that surprise anyone? Probably not. Prosecco is enjoying some bubbly times. Champagne Italian's made cousin is boosting sales to the wine industry. Uh, New Year's Eve, obviously, going to be popping champagne, but it's a little cousin called Prosecco. Um, champagne sales have been climbing since 2009, but Prosecco has been rocketing. So uh, sales of Prosecco up 32% in the last 12 months, five times the growth rate of the overall wine industry. 2015 is going to be interesting on elections and the president. His final two years, comedian Stephen Colbert asked him last week, are you still president? And it was meant to be meant as a joke, but you know, Democrats are already checking out Obama's potential successors, and Republicans are trying to push aside his agenda in favor of their own. Obama's running around saying, hey, I've got a veto pen, and I'll use it. Sure. So not the yes, the yes we can president is going to be struggling to create agenda versus respond and trying to protect what he built in his first six years with an agenda. And again, not getting political on you. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, taking a look. Let's see. Stocks are a little changed right now, but they're kind of pointing higher overall from where we were when we opened. Um, snap election risks, you know, the Greek lifeline that they've gotten, it's probably as much color as you really want me to give to Greece. A couple of years ago when they've had a problem, and they've continued to have their problem. When they wanted money, they, you know, they said, but we also want not to pay high taxes, and we also want to 
have the world give us money. And we also want to, um, you know, we don't want the austerity. So if the anti-austerity party gets put in power, it's going to, you know, snap. Like, Europe bailed them out on some levels. Um, the government did what they could to get a new president elected and a minority of MPs. Now they have to run to an early election. So are they on the path to reform or not? And that brings up questions. So Mario Draghi, probably going to have to start buying European sovereign debt, or at least some corporate debt. We're going to see what he pulls off. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I've got a, a wealth preservation retirement planning event coming up in Palo Alto. You can sign up for the event in the middle part of January at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. oil prices are going to put energy jobs at stake. It's worthy of note. You and I are going to win at the pump. I don't work at energy. I'm not a dirty oil rig guy. Kind of a fantasy of mine to be a dirty oil rig guy for a day because aren't they all cut and ripped and good looking when they're not dirty oil rig guys or don't they all drink beer together and say things like men. We are men. We do drill collars and things like that and we are all that, and we do yes. Anyhow, um, yeah, some jobs are going to be lost. So I think Texas going to see some higher unemployment. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Welcome in, CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. One of the things that intimidates people about money is there's a lot of things that just doesn't you know, translate to RABCs, like ESPPs and RSUs. What is an ESPP? Why do we care? What is an RSU? Why do we care? It reminds me, I was up on the mountain, um, you know, back in, I don't know, February or something like that. And somebody had to stop skiing and pull over on their cell phone and exercise some of their Wells Fargo options because they were expiring that day. Awesome. And they were sitting on the mountain and got an email saying, your options are about to expire. And it was about a $6,000 value, net of taxes, that they almost lost because they let their options expire. So a lot of people that work for companies that have, you know, they get the 401k match, great. But then you get the options that have expiration dates, incentive stock options that have different tax strategies. But let's talk about employee stock purchase plans and and RSUs, which is the most common. So an employee stock purchase plan, when you're working for a company, you get two periods a year where you can buy your own company stock at a discount. Okay. But they have different tax strategies, too. And, and what I can't understand is why people don't, you know, they, they get too overweighted in an old company stodgy stock. Because they're always doing the SPPs, which I like, because you get the discount. Okay. But What's the di- discount typically? 10? Typically 10 to 15%. Okay. And so, but if you want to have most of your gain on the stock qualify for capital gains, you usually have to hold them for at least two years after the offering date. Okay. okay. Um, so what I tell people is once you've bought them two years later, 
you know, look, if you're, if you're already own, if 5% of your portfolio and you're in your 50s is in your company stock, you need to, as they become two years old, sell them and reinvest them, right? And remember, if you're way overweight in your company you're, you're stock. You're talking really fast. Okay, two year, if once the stock becomes two years old, okay. like you've bought it and you've held it for over two years, and you're in your 50s and you own over 5% of your overall portfolios in the company stock that you work for, you need to start trimming those ESPP okay, right. shares. Okay. But you want to make sure they're over two years old to qualify for the overall capital gains rates. There's, there's really an 18-month rule and all this other stuff that I'm not going to get into on radio. But the discount and how that's taxed and then the, the capital gain and how that's taxed, just hold it for two years. Okay. Start diversifying. Every year you should look at your stock options, and if the market has fallen and you've got ESPP shares at a loss – you're probably going to want to sell them to take the loss and offset other gains in the future. Okay. Okay. Um, so What's selling. What's interesting to note about that is, I think a lot of people accumulate a lot of wealth like through AT and T. They worked there, they got the company shares, they became millionaires, and it's almost ingrained in our society not to diversify. Yeah. But then WorldCom and Enron come along. You know, WorldCom bought a couple baby bells, and they implode. Yeah. Next thing you know, so it's it's ingrained in us, but it's not necessarily trained properly. Yeah. So it's. You know, I can see if you're younger and you're working for a, a company that's aggressively growing and they're, they're you know, really doing well in the stock market, while you end up being, you know, 10% of your portfolios in the company stock. It can make sense when you're younger. You can't afford that type of risk when you're close to retirement. So you have to diversify. Um, you also don't want to overpay your taxes because you get that company discount, Rob, that's going to be taxed as ordinary income when you sell. Oh. And sometimes Killer. people are paying taxes on that discount twice. Once when you know they get taxed on it. Long story short, there's a form called a 3922. So if you have employee stock purchase program, you got to know your form 3922 so you don't end up paying taxes twice on that discount. Would you say that most purchase. people who use ESPP should probably use a CPA? Yeah, okay. I think you know I know the tax code really well, and I still use a CPA to prepare my tax return because if I'm audited. It, if I'm audited, I know I'm not going to do well sitting in the room with, with the IRS if the, a certain point comes up, you know, because I can't stand our current tax code. They know how to discuss the issue with the IRS. I would just get angry. <laughs> I so badly want you on Jeopardy and the, the, the heading comes up tax code because <laughs> you're like, I know tax code. <laughs> Form 3522. Yeah. Okay. 30, um, 3922. 3922. <laughs> trust me. I don't know the tax code. I don't pretend to know the tax code. You're a nerd. I'm not. <laughs> to say this, Playboy model, what happened in my life, not yours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so what else do we need to do? RSUs, did we t- hit that? Do we need to hit that? Well, RSUs is one of those things, too, when you already own a bunch of your company stock. RSUs, restricted share units, restricted, restricted stock share. units, you're granted a bunch of units, and as they vest, they become taxable based on the value of the stock that day. There is absolutely no tax reason to continue to hold those after that point. So if you are, if, you know, unless you think your company is just going to go through the roof and you own less than 10% of your portfolio in that company, as those RSUs come due, they're taxed. They're already taxed. So sell them and reinvest them in a diversified portfolio. Um, and that's one thing that people just fail to do. They continue to hold and hold and hold. And uh, you need to do a good job tracking your cost basis on those as well. Okay. Anything else that we need to know? Or should we wrap it up here? Um, again, it's, you know, if you're getting close to retirement, having more than 5 to 10% of your company, your portfolio and your own company stock is just too much risk. And again, a lot of people don't want to hear that because they feel comfortable where they are and they feel like they're not being loyal if they do sell their own company shares. Don't feel that way. You're listening to CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.
Coming up next segment, I'm going to talk about 10 favorite stocks for 2015 and uh, see if we can't come to some agreement or some thoughts on why. Um, if you ever want to sound like a financial professional, just start saying things like, the easy money's been made. I'm cautiously optimistic. It's a stock picker's market. It's not a stock market. It's a market of stocks. I'm constructive on the market. Stocks are down on profit-taking. The trend is your friend. <laughs> More buyers and sellers. There's a lot of cash on the sidelines. We're in a bottoming process. If you listen to radio and television people, and they differ like golden clay, but when you hear a little bit too much of that, you should roll your eyes. Just... We're going to take a wait-and-see approach. That's a perennial favorite of mine. When do you use it? Anytime you don't know, which is to say basically always. Um, how about this one? It's a show-me stock, which is a classic way to describe a company that has blown it. When do you use that phrase in smart conversation to make you look like a genius? Anytime you don't know what a banged-up stock will do next especially if you're worried that viewers or listeners might think you were dumb enough to have owned it when it cratered. That's what a lot of people won't tell you. Anyway, giggle, giggle, giggle. That's what we're here to do. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Coming up, we're going to talk 10 stocks for 2015 and maybe try to figure out why we're looking at them. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. There's a financial magazine called Barron's, and this may be too much information, but I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Barron's has a take on financial news that I would refer to as slightly negative. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I want to be told the negatives. Like when I fall in love, I see all the positives. What are the negatives? Too young, too liberal, too conservative. Um, stress under pressure. These are things that I want to know. With the Dow topping 18,000 and a very good year in the record books, Barron's comes out with top 10 picks for 2015. Typically pretty household names. And they're looking for 20 to 50% returns over the next year. Last year, their list pulled out about 18.1% compared with 15.7% with the S&P 500 index. U.S. Airways was part of the winners. Intel returning 133% U.S. Airways and Intel 51% respectively. 
They had a loser, Barrett Gold, down 31%. Now, if I had that list, I wouldn't have picked gold because I don't like gold. So some of these things you're going to like maybe get yourself in trouble because maybe you love gold and you hate old tech companies like Intel and you say, I'm done with that. So I wouldn't really jump on lists, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Two themes to watch next year are how consumers are going to respond to low gas prices for sure and how investors will fare if the Federal Reserve starts raising interest rates. But these play only peripheral roles in picking a portfolio of stocks. Don't expect gains to come easy. Cliche of the day. In three years, the SP 500 has risen from a humble 11.7 times next four quarter earnings to roughly 16 and a half times. We are due for a nice size correction. Will it happen? No one knows. General Motors um, is on the list. Um, and Bank of America. They're doing much better than their decimated 2014 profit statement suggests. Most of the year's bad news won't repeat in 2015, sending earnings soaring with or without growth. David Copperfield once made a jumbo jet disappear, but Boeing's magic trick starting next year will be to collect billions more in free cash flow than it reports in earnings. American Airlines shares have doubled in 2014, but the carrier's valuation has shrunk. American and Micron technologies aren't getting nearly enough credit for profound improvements in their industries. you got to like domestic air carriers. Now, it gets a little bit dicey when you start going overseas. But if you've been on an airplane in the last two or three years, I, I have you been on one with like an empty seat next to you or two empty seats? Probably not. Elsewhere on their list, um, Google and Royal Caribbean. They've got potential as investors have priced in growth for the companies. Floor, ticker symbol FLR, can soar if oil rebounds and do just fine if it doesn't. Macy's, which is an e-commerce whiz disguised as a department store. Keep in mind, we had a retail analyst on the show a couple weeks ago said Macy's going to start doing same-day delivery. Who knew, right? Gilead Sciences is complicated, but its shares look cheap relative to its bearish assumptions. That's a setup you have to like. Hitting the first name that I threw out there was General Motors. They could see their earnings double over the next three years, and its shares sell for a deep discount of the S&P 500. That combination is nice. Um, it hasn't done anything in the last 12 months. Their headline news has been dominated by massive recalls of faulty ignition switches. That's led to a couple dozen deaths. China's becoming a meaningful profit contributor for GM. So Barron's is saying profit could rise as much as 50%. Shares could rise 50%. Wow. A little bit of a dividend yield along the way. They also like Bank of America. It's a lot like General Motors. It's got depressed financial results. Massive legal charges tied towards the mortgage securities and settling of lawsuits. Stock trades at 12 times 2015 earnings. That's not crazy. Wall Street expects Bank of America to earn about $2 in earnings by 2017. It's got some lending spreads that shrink with interest rates this low, and they benefit if rates rise. Management reckons that each percentage point increase in rates from here is worth about $3 billion in pre-tax profits. 
look for Bank of America to return 20% over the next year as investors look for cleaner earnings reports that will help with growth. This just in, Shake Shack just filed for a $100 million IPO. Um, okay. So they're not McDonald's and they're a fast food company. I get the fascination. Just throwing it out there for you. Um, other stocks that made this list, Google. Great Google to Moogla. They've made two round trips north of 600 and back to below 530. Uh, 17.8 times projected earnings for next year, not including stock compensation expenses. Investors seem torn between whether Google remains a go-go growth company, deserving a dot-com premium, or a mature tech titan that's ready for a Microsoft multiple. Google's plenty of growth ahead, in my opinion. you got slowing click gains. They appear to be part of an effort to reduce inadvertent or low-quality clicks on mobile devices, which have plagued the industry for years. But Google's got YouTube, and that's starting to reel in major advertisers. It's got its Play Store for apps, which is right in the popularity of Google's free Android operating system. It's got two fast-growing businesses right there. Google could grow earnings by as much as 15 to 20%. Look for the stock to potentially go up 20-plus percent in the next two years. Macy's was on the list, and again, we have to talk about it. You know, we've seen Sears and Kmart and Sock. And we go, they suck. And we go, we don't want anything to do with that as a retail investor. You know, Amazon is going to kill these guys, right? But gasoline prices have fallen by a third in a year. And I've already figured that's going to save me roughly $850 a year. I drive roughly 12,000 miles. Enough to send households with tight budgets on extra shopping sprees. 850 bucks. Problem is that you know Walmart is a slow grower, and they trade at 17 times earnings. So you look for other people in the industry. Macy's got 13 times forward earnings valuation, which is much lower. Um, so some of the shoppers that shop at Macy's are going to boost their spending because of pump savings. And while we'll, you know, it, it, they look pretty smart at this point in time. Uh, Macy's has done a pretty good job with the, you know, dot-com savvy. Its stores act as fulfillment centers that can ship online orders or hold goods for pickup. Nearly half of the merchandise is private label or exclusive, which helps differentiate the chain from rivals because it's more than double the size of JCPenney's based on revenue. Macy's can land exclusive merchandise, which in turn helps grow. A little dividend yield of about 2%. Not sexy, but not bad either. Uh... The two on the list that really kind of, I'm not going to say shock me, but I want to take a look, Royal Caribbean. Now, every time we hear about these cruises, it's typically old people that are going on them. And sometimes they die. The cruises you know, turn sideways or a flu epidemic breaks out or something crazy goes. Like, that's when we hear about these, right? But baby boomers are going to drive peppy growth for cruises for years to come. You know, you get a little bit older and you're like... Let's go to Aruba and go in the Tunnel of Love. And you find out it's really not a tunnel of love at all. In fact, it's a probably mis inappropriate spelunking adventure where you better have some good knees and, and some ability to take some heat because uh, it's not fun in any way, shape, or form, and your body gets torn up. So boomers realize this, and they're like, you know what? I just want to sit on a deck chair and drink fruity drinks. 
So that's a pretty good recipe for Royal Caribbean. They can deploy ships in the coming years to China. They can sell older vessels to operate under contract. Lower fuel prices will offer a tailwind. Normal relationships with Cuba could one day open lucrative new route. Um, Virgin's announcement that they will enter the business is good news for incumbents, Royal Caribbean and Carnival. Uh, Virgin, with financing partner Bain Capital, likes the demand outlook enough to order two new ships. Prices on ships could hit about a billion dollars. You know, Virgin Group is not stupid. Um, Royal Caribbean has a price edge. They've got better pricing, which helps support higher cash flow and new ship orders, and they can quickly create a durable advantage. Um, I don't know about that one. I mean, that's a head-scratcher for me. <clears throat> it's been a demographic trend play for a long time, and the headlines just make me a little bit wheezy. Wheezy. And finally on the list is Gilead Sciences. Um, stock has plunged recently. And this is Barron's list of top 10 picks for 2015. And their list typically does pretty well, and they I'm not going to say they vet it, but there's a purpose for what they're picking and why. Gilead last year introduced a revolutionary drug for hepatitis C, a debilitating viral infection that affects the livers of 3.2 million Americans and perhaps 150 million people worldwide. It's $1,000 per pill, $84,000 for full treatment. Um, Express Scripts, which is a big drugs benefits manager, um, is a player here because they're picking a different hep C treatment to approve. Um, they're picking AbbVie's. So we'll watch Gilead Sciences, and I like the idea. You know, it's been beaten up. Doesn't mean it's down. Brad Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, you know, in particular, one of the things that I like to do is not get too caught up, and not get too freaked out by what's happening on the markets on any daily basis. Uh, it's the end of the year, and the end of the year is a nice way to put a nice bow on things. We had another up year. It's nothing new. It's nothing surprising. Market goes up seven out of ten years historically. Will it go up like that forever? Well, we, we did through World War One and World War Two and Korea and Vietnam and inflation and deflation through um, presidents assassinated through Nagasaki through Hiroshima. Um, 
I don't know, does that help you at all on where I think things happen? Am I stupid enough to say, like, wow, we've just had this amazing run, and 2015, I'm all in. I'm telling you, this is the time to, like, double down. No. That's not what you want to be doing, in my opinion. But a level head, should you take a look at some of the gains in your portfolio and say, okay, where, where's some value now? Maybe I take some off the overpriced or the stuff that's done really well. I do that strategy with mutual funds and exchange-traded funds and indexes where you sell some of your winners to fund your losers or your outperformers to fund your underperformers because we're politically correct as a nation and we can't call someone a loser, even though they're losers. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that's you know worthy of bringing up and, again, not getting too caught up in. With stocks, you don't really want to sell your winners to buy losers because losers and stocks are stories. Their CEO did something wrong. It's quite very much so different what you want to do, um, in my opinion. You want to find companies that are doing great things, and I'm not going to say stick with them, but uh, hold on, my phone's doing funny stuff to me. What's going on? There it is. So I think that's well said enough that I don't have to pound that too much more. You don't want me to do that, I don't think. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Tell friends about the show. I would appreciate that. And if you've never been to any of my events, come to one of my events this year because... I'm not at the twilight of my career, but I'm at the point where I don't know how long I'm going to do this. Um, and I'm being honest with you when I say that. I'm not you know, saying it just to say it. Um, I, I enjoy what I do, but it's work. So um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. At the end of the year, you should be cliche and do what I say. And what I say is give yourself a little financial checkup. Every week I do a little physical checkup on me where I feel my body and I look for like lumps or anything weird that might have happened with age, uh, especially in my other regions. Um, do the same thing with money. I mean, you don't want to die physically. You probably don't want to die financially. If you're under the age of 35, take a look at your, your student loans and see if you're getting the best terms possible for paying back the loans looking to consolidating your federal loans and refinancing your private student loans. Everyone should look at the end of the year and say, let's have a financial plan for 2015. Um, the last three months of the year, I tend to love because I max out my 401k in the fir first nine months of the year. But then that leaves me in the last half as having extra cash flow. But then, oh, switching back. I'm like, I got to get off this Christmas spending binge and get back to the real world. So everyone should have a financial plan, and you should be able to lay it out on paper. How much you're going to make, how much you're going to save. You know, if you get some savings on gas money, are you going to blow it on, you know, alcohol? Hey, that's fine. Or are you going to save it? Even better. If you don't have an emergency fund, maybe you use your gas money savings to, you know, build an emergency fund. Uh, you know, 2015, you know, have a side hustle. And the side hustle to me is be frugal. You know, you can click coupons in, on things that you actually spend on. 
you could price check things and start learning, okay, Safeway sells detergent for $6.89. I can get that same detergent on Amazon Prime for $6. If I get it on Prime, I'm going to have to pay $99. But if I get Prime, I could maybe cut my Netflix. Maybe, maybe not. So start price shopping if you haven't. A little side hustle. When you're sitting down to watch the game, do a little, little shopping. You know, Start writing down prices so you learn what is expensive and what's not. Um, a friend of mine stores Twitter and paper towels in the back of their car. Another friend of mine stores bowling balls in the back of his car. I'm like, the guy with the bowling ball spends more money, you know, lugging around the extra weight, whereas the guy with the paper towels probably saving some money because they don't weigh that much, and more importantly, gets them in massive bulk. Also for 2015, let's all make a deal with ourselves that we're going to go to annualcreditreport.com and have our credit score checked three times this year. Take a look at it, print it out, print it out at work, that's fine. You know, see if there's anything that's weird, see if there's anything that jumps out. Uh, I think you'll be better off for it if you're able to do that. Anyhow and anyway, thanks for listening to the show, thanks for supporting the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. I always have a big event coming up. You can sign up for it at robblack.com, that's robblack.com. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.